Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Good morning to all of our online family and everyone at Philly Tap. Come on, CT, let's, let's give a cheer for everyone in Philadelphia. If you're visiting here today, we're one church in two cities. We have a Philadelphia campus and God is doing great things. Can I tell you, the Lord is building his church they, the people in Philadelphia are growing in God. The presence of God is rich and heavy. God is on the move. How many feel God on the move in this place? Come on, let's celebrate his goodness just for a moment more. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And you know what? A few weeks ago, Christian and I were actually ministering in Europe. And we had a special guest speaker, Toby Slaw, and... He had a very unique ministry. He, he spoke to our youth. Kids got saved. He spoke to our parents. Then he spoke to the whole body on a Sunday. And he talked about spiritual and emotional health, specifically in the context of mental health. And um, I just felt that um, the Lord impressed upon my heart. I knew that uh, in a, you know, as, as the Lord led, I knew that I would be kind of interrupting, putting a pause on the Walking in Power series to speak the message that I'm going to be speaking today. And so I really felt impressed upon my heart and I felt it doubly after I left the men's meeting yesterday. We had a powerful time. Come on, brothers. Come on, brothers. How was it? Woo. We had such a powerful time seeking God together. And so I felt like today was the day. And we're going to be talking about, a, about the, the, the principles. I'm going to call it the vital signs of our home. Home vital signs is the title of my message today. And so, you know, when you, when you uh, go to the hospital... Dr. Allen, who just um, prayed for us. Um, when you go to the hospital, one of the first things they do is they check your vital signs. There's four key things they're going to look at, and I'm not even going to try to get into all of those. I tried to read up and, uh, so I could sound medical, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> so I know that there's four, and coincidentally, I believe the Bible lays out that there are four vital signs for all of our families. And I want to say this, this message is for all of us. Because the Bible gives us the foundations for not just a healthy family, but for healthy relationships. And so if you're single today, if, uh, if you're a single mom, if you're married, if you want to get married, I really want to speak to the single men in the house. Come on, brothers, it's time to get hitched. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> amen, amen. And these principles are crucial for us to be able to discern what dictates 
a healthy home. See, there's a big difference between being a Christian and growing and developing and cultivating a Christian home. A lot of times what happens is people become Christians, but they still employ their upbringing cultural principles instead of replacing those with biblical principles. So one of the things we want to do today is make sure that everyone understands the spiritual vital signs of a healthy home. The Bible lays them out for us. And I want to say this, that the message has a twofold purpose. I just said it. Number one, first to teach us about the key components of a godly stable home. You know, when Mother Teresa received the Nobel Peace Prize for her incredible ministry in India to, to orphan kids, they asked her what people could do to promote a world of, of peace, and her response was simple. You know what she said? She said, go home and love your family. This is a big deal. A godly, loving home is gigantic in its impact on all of our society. On, 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 uh, on our struggles with crime, on our struggles in politics, on our struggles at every level, can I tell you something? A godly, loving home is so able to overpower all of those things. Somebody say amen. Number two, number two, and this is why this is also for all of us, the second reason is to help us identify roots of our personal imbalances so that we can understand ourselves and grow. Okay? Listen to what Josh McDowell said. He said, an unbalanced home creates, creates unbalanced people. And so what's cool about a message like this, regardless of where you find yourself today, is it applies to you in every sense of the word. If you're trying to figure out how you should pick a spouse, how to date, what are the basics of how to grow a young family, and on and on, this message covers in very general terms. It covers it how we can know that we are really hiding behind the wall of fire that is the word of God. So Ephesians chapter six, it's crazy. There's so much in just these four verses. Ephesians chapter six says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Notice the connection between the home and enjoying a long life. Okay, there is a deep and profound connection between the home and how our life unfolds for us, how we view life, how we feel about life, how we experience choices that we make, okay? Family is not everything, but it is a very powerful thing when it honors God. 
And so we're talking about honoring God. It says, obey your parents in the Lord. And parents, get in the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. Get in the Lord. Then it says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Come on, let's pray together in Philadelphia, online, wherever you are. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to help us to hear. And by the way, as you just close your eyes, I want to say one more thing. Can I tell you, as I talk about these vital signs, some of us might experience emotional pushback on some of these, but they are in the Word of God. They are true. And so part of, of getting, growing, and becoming more balanced and healthy is that you receive the word of God, even when it rubs you in a strange way. So let me pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I lift up the body of Christ here in Chicago, there in Philadelphia, and everywhere in between as our brothers and sisters join in together as they watch online. And Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is with each and every one of us. And I pray that you would use, Lord, my simple voice, O oh God, but that the, the power would be in your ministry, Holy Spirit that you would minister to us individually, that you would open our eyes and that you would give us energy and that you would give us uh, impulses and a drive to align ourselves with your word. We place your word above all things. You said in your word that you put your word above your name. And so God, help us to receive deeply. Bless every life, bless every home, apartment, oh God, dorm room, home, city, suburbs, lords. Somebody might be in a program today or even find themselves in a shelter. But Lord, you can be a shield about us. So bless our time. Help us to receive deeply in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said... Amen, amen, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we're talking about the kind of core principles that will make every person healthy in God and in life. So what's the first one? The first vital sign of real health is the sign of authority. Everyone say authority. Authority is a big deal, and the problem is, is our culture has never been more anti-authority than ever. And I want to say this to you, if you have authority issues, the longer you despise authority, the harder life will be for you. Yeah, I knew that was a hard amen to push out, but I appreciate it. When we talk about authority, what are we talking about? We're talking about the authority of God and his word. And also as it's represented in parents first, 
and then other authorities uh, uh, that God has raised up on the planet, all over the city, all over the world, the authority of teachers, the authority of, of uh, police officers, the authority of, of public officials, and on and on and on. We live in a, you know why everything is so messed up? It's messed up because the more we demean authority, the more we put down what's right, what's true, and the authority of God's word and the people who represent it, well, the less people will do what is right. The less people do what is right, the more chaotic and corrupt and crazy this world becomes. So it all starts with children. Obey your parents in the Lord, God gives parents authority. Where does a parent's authority come from? It comes from God, and it is anchored and built on the word of God. How many would agree with me if it's in the word, it's true, and it's good, and it's helpful? Somebody say amen. <laughs> authority establishes purpose, direction, and boundaries for children and for all. Without authority, there is no order. Can I, look, there, there are studies that show that kids are more anxious than ever in the history of this nation. Kids are more anxious than ever. And you know why? It's because kids have lost their sense of authority. See, here's the big deal, okay? If there's no authority, then there's no covering. If there's no covering, then there's no protection, okay? If there's no right and wrong, then anybody can do what they feel like doing. And how many know sometimes people feel like doing bad stuff? So understand when we devalue the power of the authority of the word of God and all of its, all the way it impacts us down the line, we don't realize that we are feeding anxiety in our children and in our culture. People don't like to hear that, but it's the truth. You see, when, when, uh, when a kid knows that there is a boss in the house, they feel good about that. They feel great, they feel protected, they feel covered. Listen, Proverbs 30 has a unique, there is a unique uh, a couple of verses in Proverbs chapter, 40, uh, chapter 30, it says, there are three things that are stately in their stride, four that move with stately bearing. I'm gonna unpack this. It says, a lion mighty among beasts, you know the lion is the king of the jungle, who retreats before nothing, a strutting rooster, the opposite, okay? So you ever see a strutting rooster, they think they're bad, it's just a little rooster. <laughs> but he's still the, he still sees himself as the man. Look, a he-goat and a king secure against revolt. Now when you drill down on this word picture that God gives us, God is giving us different pictures of authority on the move. Even though someone may, may like say, oh, you little rooster, no. What he's saying is authority on the move, if you look at the words, it means authority on the move is really, really good. 
authority when it's right. I'm not talking about corrupt authority. I'm talking about authority when it's right. Authority on the move, authority taking its place and acting according to the will of God. It brings joy, literally it means to bring joy, to bring peace, to bring a sense of shelter. I, I was, I don't know where I was saying it the other day, uh, that, that my dad, you know, I grew up in the, such a horrible neighborhood. And you know, I never got in trouble because of my dad's authority. Fast forward, my son, now a grown man with kids, this made me laugh so much, right? Because my, my son was like, yo, dad was a little tough on me, you know? So anyway, he's like, he's like 25 years old, 26. He's in this business kind of event. And this guy, very educated, very together, super liberal, probably wouldn't agree with anything in the Bible, but the guy is like railing about politics and all this. And he says to Tommy, what do you make of all of these things? What do you think about it? He's trying to go after all of the politicians. You know what Tom said to him? He said, look, bro. He said, you know, when I was in high school, he said, I could have done drugs. I could have slept with girls. I could have done every dirty, rotten thing on the planet. And he said, you know what I didn't? He said, you know why? He said, I was afraid to deal with my dad. <laughs> so the guy turns around and says, oh man. He said, you just solved it. He goes, you know what? My dad was a black belt in karate and he had these big hands. And I knew if I got in trouble, and he goes, there it is. A strong parent, a strong sense of authority at home. And if you're a single mom, I'm telling you, ladies, stand for the word of God and God will back you. He will back you. But we must embrace the fact that authority is good. Do not teach your kids that authority is bad. It makes them anxious. If the people who are supposed to cover us are, if you're always highlighting their weaknesses, then who's going to cover us? So pillar number one is authority. And this is a big, big deal. Listen to what it says in Isaiah. And we got to put verses like this in front of our kids. It says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. That is is life. Okay, you do right, it goes well. You do wrong, it doesn't go well. Anybody disagree with that? Can anybody disprove that? If you go against the word of God, if you despise authority, if you say whatever, I'm gonna, don't be telling me what, guess what? You're gonna end up in a mess. So number one, may the people of God embrace authority. How many, let's say the word of God is right and true and good. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, I play with a bunch of guys who could have made it to the show, but they just couldn't listen to the coach. You know, really talented guys who just couldn't listen to the coach. What do you call that? You call that authority issues. And so that's number one. Number two, which balances authority, number two, the second vital sign is affection. Everybody say affection. 
This is a very, very important word. How many know God is affectionate and God's people are meant to be like him? The, the, the expression of the cross shows the affection of God for us. God is loving and affectionate. Amen? Without affection, then authority becomes destructive. See, authority has to be balanced with great affection. As the people of God, we should be people who smile. We should be people who say affectionate things. We should be people who love, who care. And look, science, history, culture, all proves that people that lack affection, they're just, they just can't wake up and feel right. Affection is a big deal to every single human being. It is impossible to be godly balanced emotionally and spiritually. You can't be a healthy person without affection. You know, my, uh, my phone, when, when I woke up this morning, um, my phone popped up to the news of Matthew Perry, the actor, 54 years old, passed away uh, yesterday. And I, I, so I, I was thinking about, listen to this quote, right, by a, 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 a psychologist. He says, emotional deprivation as an infant can leave adults less able to deal with stress. Love is the vital nutrient required to build parts of the nervous system. Okay? So when we hug and kiss our babies, like think about, think about it this way, right? For the first 12 months, for example, the first 12 months of a child's life, all you can do is love on them, right? Think about how we get, ooh, baby, you know, think about that. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? You're loving on them, you know? I almost brought a picture. We, we uh, my, my kids... Uh, Annie and Andy, they just got a puppy. I got a new grandbaby. And uh, he, we're babysitting him. This morning, I was like, give me was just hugging him. And, you know, and it's funny because he's sitting next to me. He's like, he's like two months old. He's sitting next to me. He's going to be 150, 170 pounds one day. This guy's going to be big. And it was so funny to me because he's sitting next to me while I'm trying to read my Bible and he was looking out at something in the yard was bugging him. And I'm getting, dis I'm getting distracted here, but let me stay, stay with it. So, uh, and he, he starts growling with this baby growl. And it's so funny, you know. But I thought to myself, in five months and six months in a year, when, when that instinct of I'm a protector kicks in, if somebody tries to mess with Annie or Andy, I'm telling you, it will be a force. He will be a force to be reckoned with. And guess what kicks all of that in? All they have to be is affectionate with him. When we are affectionate, we make room for people to become. Just by being affectionate. Just by showing signs of love and care. And I want you to know, so, so look, we looked this thing up. 
in, in Matthew Perry wrote this book. Let me read this. This is so powerful. I want to read. This is kind of long, but let me read this to you from Matthew Perry's uh, autobiography. He said, at one point, I considered unaccompanied minor as the title of my book. It was typical to send kids on planes back then, but I was terrified. Not having a parent on that uh, flight is one of the many things that led to a lifelong feeling of abandonment. Now, I want you to know if you ever, we put our kids on a plane, Annie, uh, Annie might have done a world tour when she was like seven or eight. So it's, that's not the point. There are a lot of contributors, but he's zeroing in on this, of uh, how he felt because of the dynamics of his home. Okay? So listen, it says, uh, uh, not having a parent on that flight is one of the many things that led to a lifelong feeling of abandonment. Abandonment. If I'd been, uh, if I'd been enough, they would have left me. Una- if I'd been enough, they wouldn't have left me unaccompanied. Right? Isn't that how all this was supposed to work? The other kids had parents with them. I had a sign and a magazine. Let me keep going. Listen to this. Do we have the other slide? No, we don't. We missed it. Oh, here it is. So look, now when I fly, I want the sense that I can look down on safety, on some place where someone is thinking of me, at a place where love is. Down there somewhere in that valley or in that vast ocean out there beyond the Pacific Coast Highway, on the gleaming primaries of the red tail's wings, that's where parenting is, that's where love is, that's where home is. So he had a lifelong battle with drugs, and I pray for his family, and I, I, I pray for the covering of all of his loved ones today. But can I tell you something? In this book, over and over again, he talks about his sense of lack of connection at home. It is impossible to feel safe, to feel good about yourself when there's no affection in your home. And so here's what that means. What it means, brothers and sisters, What it means is, is that some of us may need to pray for spiritual energy so that we can be emotionally affectionate. Some of us need to pray for grace so that we can become the kind of person that demonstrates affection because when you demonstrate affection, you make everyone around you feel better. And so saying I love you is a big deal. I've talked about this many times. Not growing up in a home where, uh, uh, where we said I love you, the, the dramatic impact of that upon my life when I heard Chrissy's family say I love you, when I heard them say I love you every time they got off the phone, I can't even tell you, and I can't even tell you the medicine to my soul all the times that my wife said I love you to me. And so you and I need to understand that when you say, I love you, you're healing someone. When we hug 
our family members, we're healing them, we're helping them. Listen, this is how you, this is what, this is uh, how you develop uh, a healthy self-image. These are the components of a healthy self-image. First of all, there has to be a sense of belonging. Human beings interpret affection as one of the ways that they belong to someone. A sense of worth and value and even a sense of competency. God heals people. So sometimes we say, hey, hug one another. Can I tell you something? Be a hugger. Be a hugger because when you hug someone, you have no idea what kind of week they had. All right? Don't worry about the germs and all that. God will get you over the COVID stuff. All right? Just get over it. Hug somebody. (laughs) Buy extra stuff. Go hug them and then go. (laughs) But affection is powerful. And look, here's what I have found. I have found that when you are affectionate with people, it's easier for them to receive the authority of God's word. You see? So authority is balanced by affection. And we need to learn both. Ladies, if you're dating a guy and he's the strong silent type and he can never say anything nice, well, guess what you're gonna live with? PT, somebody shouted hallelujah. So even in choosing and in growing, let's say you're dating and you, even in choosing and in growing a relationship, I'm telling you right now, these vital signs are huge, okay? Because if a person can't say nice things, and you're, gonna, you're committing your life to them, then guess what? You will feel deprived. You see? Come on, we're talking real stuff today, aren't we? <laughs> so we're gonna, ramp, we're gonna go home. Every married couple, we're going home and we're ramping up the affection. Somebody say amen. <laughs> All the single People keep the affection to verbal and good handshakes. (laughs) Let's not miss what we're talking about here. But these things are really, really important. Amen? We could preach a message on each one of these, but I want you to just get the essence. Look, affection is foundational to connection. And a lot of times people don't feel good because of a lack of affection. So first two vital signs, and notice how they balance each other, authority over here. Like when, when it says, children, obey your parents, it's acknowledging the authority of God placed upon them. But when it says fathers and mothers, it's highlighting we were built to love our kids and our families. That's, we were just made to love them. That's, that's the way it is. And so we as Christians, we need to major on the majors and authority and affection are two majors for your home. And it doesn't matter what you grew up in. 
If you grew up in someone, something different, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to change. Amen? Okay, two more. Then, then, the third kind of key vital sign is faith. Everyone say faith. faith. Now, when I say faith, I'm talking about separate from the faith. I'm talking faith that is based on the promises of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith without works is dead. In other words, a home is healthy not when people can recite the faith. It's when people actually live by And so we're in the Lord, and when we're in the Lord, and when we're, we're, we're uh, in the Lord and of the Lord, then we actually demonstrate that we are committed to serving God. James chapter 2 says this, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Sometimes people say, oh yeah, I love the Lord. You know, but they don't live for God at all. And I'll let you sort that out, but I'm telling you, that's not right. Sometimes people say, yeah, I go to church, which is great. I want you to go to church, but you need to take what you get in church, take it home and put it into practice. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Joshua 24 said this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, some people worship culture over Christ, and Christ is over culture. Christ is greater than our upbringing and our family line. Hallelujah. Well, we've done it this way for generations. What does it matter if it doesn't align with the word of God? He says, whether the God of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, so many things to worship. Worship money, worship culture, worship education, worship this, worship that. Our homes need to worship Jesus. We need to make Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords of our homes. Somebody say amen. He said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And let me tell you, man, I, I talk to kids all the time. And, you know, growing up in church, you can't do this, you can't do that, they think, and all that when they're kids. But most kids do not resent church. Most kids struggle when they don't see the real church around them. You know what I'm saying? Look, let's take, I think about Dr. Allen. You guys, first time he's been up here, this, this, he's a doctor. He's a heart doctor. So a lot of times, I didn't know this, but a lot of times he comes to church, he's on call. He's got to carry a beeper. I wonder if he's on call today, right? And if you see him pop up and run out, um, it's either a, a first responders in the church call or... He actually has 45 minutes, and 45 minutes, he's got to be at the hospital, and he's got to kind of be in somebody's heart. He's a, he fixes hearts. 
right? 45 minutes, but guess what? Still comes to church. He doesn't give himself a pass. He didn't say, well, I'm on call today. I better, no, he just pops up and runs. But his kids know, his wife knows. As for me and my house, serving God is a priority and I will demonstrate it at every turn. One of the most successful businessmen that I know, I've watched him do this. I've watched him get off a plane uh, from Argentina, I think it was, which is a brutal trip, 10, 9, 10 hours, get off a plane at 8.30, and you would think, hey, you were working, business, go home, take a shower, chill out. I've watched guys go from the plane, come to church to worship God, and somebody might say, I was talking to the men and saying, look, stop giving yourself the easy pass all the time. No easy passes, no gimmies. The guy comes, and let me tell you something, you live like that kind of man, your kids are going to serve God and follow God because of the demonstration of your faith. Come on, raise up men. Raise up women like that. We're not putting God in third place. He gets first place every day, all day. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. And there's an impartation that takes place. An impartation when you're really living for God. I love this quote, Charles Wesley, a great man of God used in so many ways. Listen to what his mom said to him once. She said, whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, takes off your relish for spiritual things, whatever increases the authority of the body over the mind, that thing is sin to you, however innocent it may seem in itself. You know where Charles Wesley got his definition for sin from? Who he got it from? He got it from his mother. There was an impartation. There was a transfer. A lot of times people say, you know what, I take the kids to church because it's good for them to have religion. But if the kids know more about the Bible than you, it's not good. I know we need to know the Word of God so that we can teach the kids. I want to encourage you, come to church, bring your kids to church. The average kid goes to church once a month. Okay, and that, that church is not everything. I'm the pastor of this church. I'm telling you right now, church is not everything. But it is vitally important, holistically speaking. If you only have the community of the world and you don't have the community of the kingdom, you are missing out and left out and you will end up worn out. So look, I want to close this point with a, a quote from a Christian journalist. He was a sports writer who would get teased all the time because of his Christianity. Very godly guy. And, um, and then his testimony because of his godliness, it's really gone all over the world. Well, it turns out that he ended up with a rare form of cancer and he, and, and he actually passed. But look at what he said, and this is a real challenge. In Philadelphia, here in Chicago, this is a real challenge to all of us. Listen to what he said. This is powerful. He said, I have already told some of my friends 
when I see you in heaven, there's only one thing I'm gonna ask you. Were you good to my son and my wife? Were you there for them? Does my son know you? He's saying this because he knew he was gonna die, okay? He said, I don't want Jackson to have the same childhood that I did. I want him to wonder why his dad's friends always came over and shot uh, hoops with him. Why they always invited him to their houses. Why there are so many of them at his games. I hope that he gets sick of them. See, real community means that when you come to this church, you find people to love, you find lives to serve, and you make ways to make an impact in somebody else. And collectively, as we serve one another, See, if you're a mom and you have three kids, guess what? If, he had, if one of your boys has three sons, you, there's enough room in your heart to have three more sons. Dad, if you have a couple of kids, there's enough room in your heart. And let me tell you something, when we take each other in like that, when we connect with each other like that, when we demonstrate the faith, when we love each other, when we pray together, look, there might be some boy who doesn't have a dad at home and things are crazy and he goes over your house and he hears you pray over the food and he hears you quote the word of God to your kids. I'm telling you, that kid will be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might because we we are a real family. Because we're living the faith. We're living the faith. It's not how big the church is. It's how big the hearts of the people in the church are. And so the demonstration of faith is so powerful. Lord, help us to put you first in all ways. May our hearts be led by faith. And then here's the last thing, and we'll close. The last key vital sign, it's amazing how these things balance each other. It says, fathers, don't exasperate your kids. Here's what it means. It means don't put so much pressure and don't do things that absolutely frustrate them. You know, so some, you know, it's always made me laugh um, how the, some people, they think that coaching is just yelling. So some coaches yell. I had a coach that yelled, but he didn't yell all the time. And the guys who don't know sports, all they do is yell all the time, you know. So, so it's of no value. If all you do is yell, the, the, the athletes turn you off. You know, if all you do is point out what's wrong and point out what's wrong, the vital, the central component of Christianity is that Jesus came to forgive us. And we have to have homes that even though you might have to correct your kids, the minute you lay it out and deal with it, how many know forgiveness should be instant? We need to demonstrate forgiveness. How quick should we receive forgiveness? We should receive forgiveness or give forgiveness as quickly as we receive it from Jesus. 
He says if you confess your sin, all you have to do is confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive. How many times do you forgive your brother? 70 times seven, over and over and over again. Why? Because forgiveness is God's way. And so the, the, the concept of letting, the more you let your kids off the hook, the more parents, and when you're married, the more you let each other off the hook, the healthier you are and the healthier everyone else is. Kids can only handle so much. And you're like, but I wanna make sure you don't make the mistakes that I made. But remember, everybody makes mistakes. And so you deal with stuff, you put it out in the open. And look, here's the thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness, watch, forgiveness never ignores the authority of God's word. If you think that ignoring God's word is the key, that's not forgiveness, that's denial. Okay, so when you forgive, you can point out what's wrong. But the key factor is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And how many are thankful that Jesus is rich in mercy? Come on, come on, put your hands together right now. Hallelujah. Look at what the psalmist said. He said, Lord, if you kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is everyone forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. Listen to this. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. So we, uh, we could have taken communion today. Because you know what the key reason why people can't move on? Because we can't forgive. But if we forgive, we move on. Everybody say move on. Can I tell you something? It's time to move on. It's time to move on. There are things that if we release it, we're acting like Jesus. And when you act like Jesus, you get healthier and everyone around you gets healthier. So look, before we pray, let's go. I want to give you a quick visual of your home, your family, your heart, vital signs. And you know, when you go into the hospital and you see all of these things, here they are. Okay. Authority. Everybody say authority. Authority is good. Amen. Come on. That was like Amen. Authority is good. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Teenagers are going to go say, thank you, Dad. Thanks, Mom. Yes. Right? Secondly, affection. Everyone say affection. Affection, affection is good. Amen. Holy, godly affection is very, very important. And may our homes be filled with words of affection, with expressions of affection. You know, I had a, I had a friend who told me his dad used to chase his mom around the island. He's always pinching her, if you know what I mean. And you know what, it, it just, it ministered to him. 
because it was great to know his dad was into his mom. You know, affection is a big, big deal. Uh, put that back up. Come on now. Put that back up. We're almost done here. Number three, faith. Everybody say faith. faith. But it's not the faith. It's living by faith. So there have to be demonstrations. God will give you the grace to demonstrate what it means to live by faith. And let me tell you something, when you're living by faith, people love to jump on your bandwagon. They're like, I wanna go where you're going. Cause I know if you're following God, it's gonna be a good end. And then lastly, forgiveness. Everyone say forgiveness. Yes. To forgive is to be like Jesus. 